Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us today on Men's Leadership Network. And I'm joined here with Dr. Brad Dennis. And you know Brad has been on MLM before and he is amazing. So Brad, thanks for joining us again today, and especially in this time of COVID-19 and the pandemic we're all experiencing. And, and uh, as men, we just need some help and some insight and some wisdom. And uh, thank you, first of all, just for all that you do. I mean, you're on the front lines and we have been praying for all of our healthcare workers and uh, everybody who's kind of living in the middle of this pandemic right now. And so I want to say personally, thank you. And from all the men out there watching, uh, tell us your role at Vanderbilt and then tell us kind of how you're working uh, on COVID-19. Sure, sure. Well, well, first of all, thanks for having me in and having me back. Obviously, I, I did enough to warrant a, a return visit. So, so thank <laughs> you for that. Um, so my role at Vanderbilt, I'm the interim chief of the Division of Trauma and Surgical Critical Care. Um, and so as uh, a major part of what we do is, is critical care or ICU uh, care. So we, um, we staff uh, three different ICUs at Vanderbilt. And so um, as the COVID response or as it was ramping up and we were making our plans as an institution, um, we were an integral part of that for a couple of reasons. One, um, the ICU component, you know, and, and obviously if the surge had been things like what we had seen in New York um, or in Italy, um, you know, there was a very real chance that we were going to be on the front lines of that, taking care of, of uh, ICU patients, um, many of which we would ex expect it to, to be COVID positive. Um, the other component is that while the majority of uh, the hospital sort of shut down its normal operations, right? We didn't do elective surgery. We had you know, closed our clinics. Um, trauma and emergency surgery um, were, you know, those don't stop. They don't take a break. And so we were prepared um, to, to continue to manage those patients and take care of those patients, even, you know, in and amongst the, the, the pandemic. And so that, that took a lot of coordination in terms of how do we how do we approach patients that come into the emergency department, which is where we meet our patients before we take them up to our trauma unit? Um, but how do we how do we approach those patients having no idea what their virus you know status is? Did they have it? Did they not have it? Have they been exposed? And so how do we protect our team? What do we do? Um, and and then once we get them stabilized, I mean a lot of these people can't talk to us, but once we get them stabilized, then we can kind of sort through all that stuff as well. So so that was what we did. Uh, that was the majority of what I spent. Uh, the front end of this pandemic, uh, working with our hospital administration to, to work out plans for that. Wow. Well, so tell us about your personal experience then. I mean, have you seen more COVID patients? And then, and then how are you protecting yourself and even your family? You've got an amazing family. And uh, how have you taken steps there? Yeah. We were fortunate um, in Nashville in general, but, but Vanderbilt, that we did not see the surge that uh, a lot of places saw. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. But I think being a little bit behind some of the bigger cities, uh, we saw what could happen. We took the appropriate steps. And I think we really dramatically flattened that curve um, in a way that, that really made it very, very manageable for our hospital as well as the other hospitals in town. So um, so I have not had the... Um, I've not had the occasion where I've taken care of any, any COVID-positive patients. Uh, one of the things that, that we did as a group to sort of minimize exposure for the larger, you know, for our entire group um, was to, you know, really kind of change our schedule so that we were mostly on, on for a week and then off for a week. And when we were off, you know, I was at home, our, my partners um, who weren't working were at home. 
you know, basically self-isolating and, and trying to keep distance from the hospital because we felt like certainly initially that was where we were most likely to be exposed. Um, now, you know, and kind of the, the last part of your question, uh, you know, what am I doing now to, to minimize uh, or limit exposure? You know, now I think the community is more um, of a place where I'm more likely to, to get exposed. And so, wow. um, so, you know, we mask, me, my wife, my kids, m- myself, when we go out in public, you know, we, we wear masks. Um, I wear a mask at work. Um, you know, certainly Vanderbilt uh, has you know, all patients, all uh, employees, you know, they all are wearing masks um, in public spaces. And so, so we're doing that. We, we have aggressive hand hygiene, um, you know, so I wash my hands and foam my hands, you know, dozen plus times a day, it feels like. Uh, and then, you know, practicing the social distancing um, measures that I think, you know, that have been recommended, you know, certainly the six feet, but also staying out of small gatherings and, or, or larger gatherings rather and, and limiting, you know, the number of people that we, that we come into contact with. Mm. What, what is the kind of feeling in the healthcare community about COVID is, you know, it seemed like there was this widespread panic almost, right? And I think of the stuff we were seeing out of Italy and uh, then Spain and then New York, obviously. But, but is, that, is that tapering off? As you said, we're flattening the curve or are you still seeing people really with a heightened sense of awareness or well, what's it's, kind of the feeling in the healthcare community, I guess? It's very different for everybody. And, and I think okay. that's, you know, A, it's dependent on where you are. So if you've been in those, you know, front line for sure, New York, Detroit, you know, Chicago, like those places, they got a very different view. And they're very, you know, you see, you certainly were seeing a lot of fear um, and a lot of high anxiety about, you know, certainly catching it, um, but also how are you able to manage just the, the overwhelming volume of patients that people, uh, that physicians and nurses and respiratory therapists were seeing. Um, I think here, uh, my experience has still been a little bit, it varies from person to person. There's some people who are certainly more anxious about, about what the, the, the unknown of it, right? We didn't know, we still don't know a lot about the virus. We don't know exactly, you know, how infective it is, how exactly it is that it's spreading or how it even works. So we don't have treatments, right? And that creates a lot of uh, anxiety in a group of people who thrive on having that information. Um, and so, you know, I have partners who are very, very anxious and they're taking, you know, extensive precautions to protect them and their cell. I have others who are much less concerned about that. Certainly now that they've seen what the numbers have done, they've been, you know, a little more like, I think you see a lot of kind of a sigh of relief that, wow, that we, we kind of, we got out of this a lot better than we, than we could have. Um, but I think there's still some concern out there for recurrence or, or localized outbreaks. And so, you know, until we have a vaccine and a proven treatment, I think that that will kind of persist. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And, and I remember hearing early on, you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, we've all been kind of following him, but, but I remember he said early on, he goes, uh, you know, the one thing I hope that comes out of this is that people will say we overreacted. And, and right. I've always kind of been praying that way. Like, I hope he's right. Um, you know, and I still think what you're saying is true. We don't, we don't know the full extent, but, you know, praise God for right now in Nashville and Franklin and Williamson County in the area. I mean, we, you know, there's a lot of people who are suffering with it, but, you know, we haven't seen this spike of New York and Detroit and every place like that. Hey, tell us, you know, as men, we, can't, we feel this responsibility for our families. We feel this responsibility uh, in our communities and our workplaces. But, but it's hard for us to get the facts, right? Uh, so can you kind of tell us what are the things we know about COVID? And then can you kind of dispel some of the myths that are out there about COVID that, that would help us as men? 
Sure, I'll, I'll try. Um, I think, you know, a lot of coverage, so you, you know, I've seen a lot of things, I think, on, on the news um, and on the internet, you know, about this. I think what we know for sure about COVID is that um, it's a brand new virus. We've, this is, it's, you know, it's called a novel, you know, virus because it's never existed. It's a mutation of some, you know, previous uh, coronavirus is a classification of viruses. And this particular one, SARS-CoV-2, is a modification of that and a mutation. And, and it's never been seen by humanity. And so, so that creates this unknown. We don't exactly know what will happen. We, we've, we're starting to see more and more. It, it has, can have devastating consequences for the older population and those who are, you know, have comorbidities that would make them immunocompromised. It looks like um, the healthier and the younger segments of our population, um, while they will still catch the virus, they may, they may show minimal or even no symptoms. So, so that's, I think, the main things that we know we're sort of continuing to learn. Um, we do not know what will happen seasonally. As it gets warmer, we don't know what will happen. And I think that's an important myth that uh, I think Warren's mentioning is that we're not guaranteed that it will go away in the summer. Um, we think that it might. Uh, coronaviruses, other coronaviruses are, as you may know, what cause the common cold. Now, there's some other types like MERS and SARS, but, but most coronaviruses are associated with the common cold. And we definitely see seasonality in that. And they, so we think that in the, we think in the summer, our case volume will probably you know, drop but we don't know that for sure. Mm. Um, I think that you know, there, the, one of the other myths out there is that it's no worse than the flu. I, I hope that the recent, you know, certainly you know, the death numbers, while they may be um, less than what you might see in an entire flu season, to see them in six weeks and in such large volumes in a city like New York or um, and, and like we were seeing in countries like Italy and even in the US, I think it's clear that it's worse than flu. Um, and, you know, the, the real thing that makes it different than flu, though, is we don't have a vaccine to mitigate the effects or, or immunize us, protect us from, from the virus. And that's a big deal. And that's the biggest difference, I would say, between what we're, you know, how we approach COVID and how we approach flu. Um, other things, other uh, myths that I, that I think weren't mentioning. Um, you know, seeing a lot now about wearing masks. Do they help? Do they not help? How do they work? All that sort of stuff, right? right. So, so the wearing a mask, it, it, it does not necessarily protect you or, or a cloth mask in particular. It doesn't necessarily protect you from getting COVID, um, but it, it will help prevent you from spreading it to others. So if you're an asymptomatic carrier, you've got it, you don't have a lot of symptoms or you have no symptoms, you can still transmit that disease uh, or the virus to other people. And so wearing a mask helps protect you or protect others from you potentially transmitting it. I mean, I think that's an important thing. And that's why I wear one in public is, is I don't, I don't want to be responsible for sh spreading the virus to other people, particularly those who are at risk that I may not even realize I'm in contact with. Um, and then, and then two other things I think uh, that I wanted to mention were uh, treatments, right? We've, we've heard, we heard a little, a lot about hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil, some of these other therapies. These are very, very much unproven at this point. They're, the studies that have been done have not been well designed. They've not, you know, the, the ones that are well designed are very, very early. So we don't have great data 
on any actual treatments. There are some, remdesivir is one of the antivirals that we've seen that shows some promise, but it's still super early in its testing. Um, same thing with vaccines, very, very early in testing vaccines. And so it's gonna be at least 12 months probably before we see any, any real um, future of, of, of having a developed a vaccine that's gonna be uh, reproducible. And then the last thing I think is antibody tests. You know, now you're starting to see stuff about saying, well, have I had it? Am I over it? Let me get an antibody test. Mm -hmm. Antibody tests don't tell you about COVID-19 specifically or SARS-CoV-2. They tell you that you had a coronavirus. Um, and so we really don't know how to interpret those antibody tests. And our, and our infectious disease folks at Vanderbilt are very, very wary uh, of any of the results from an antibody test, positive or negative. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So you said 12 months on a vaccine. That's what you're... Yeah, I mean, the, the testing, the reproduction, the distribution, you know, I mean, all of those things take take time. Yeah, yeah. So what what advice uh, would you give us, right? I mean, everything's starting to open back up now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're, we're in the week where it's opening back up in Williamson County. Davidson, I know, is still closed mostly, but things are starting to open up, you know, next week or week after. So as we go out or we go out with our families, uh, what are some things that we need to be aware of? Uh, and what encouragement would you give to all of us, whether we're working in offices or small business owners yeah. as we operate our businesses? What, yeah, what I think, things would you tell us? I think the best thing you can do is protect your people as a, as a business owner, right? Okay. Uh, or an executive, protect your people and protect yourself. You know, I think that's, that's the thing that, you know, that's our, our job. And, and for me, you know, as a, as a father, protecting my family, right? So, um, and I think masks are the, the easiest way to do that. Um, and again, we, we talked a little bit about how that works, right? It doesn't necessarily protect you, but it does protect others. The other thing that it does do that may help protect you is that it keeps you from touching your face, your nose, your mouth um, as much as, as we typically do. I, I haven't realized how much I do that myself until I've started seeing myself on the zoom camera um, and wearing mask and realizing how much I, you know, I, I do touch my face. But um, so, so those two things are the things that I think are, you know, protecting others, but also limiting how much you're touching your face, aggressive hand hygiene, right? Like we talked about continuing to, to wash your hands a lot um, as a business owner. If you, you know, if you have a store or something where people are coming in, you know, um, wiping, wiping down those high, high contact surfaces, the ones that people are touching a lot, wiping those down frequently, um, and then kind of everything sort of giving it a, a, a routine once over, you know, maybe daily or, or uh, even more than that if you have a, a lot of traffic. Um, I think the, the, the one, you know, area that I, I want to reemphasize, I think, is, is the masking. And one thing that I've seen that I think is uh, an area for improvement is I see a lot of men of our age who you know they, they may be out with their wives their wife has a mask on they don't have masks on i think there's a lot of concern about about from men about how they look with a mask on maybe they are maybe they think it's a sign that they're afraid or that they're weak or or something or maybe it's they just don't think it looks cool i i don't know but i know that my observation in public has been that men under 60 ballpark you know men under 60 typically aren't wearing masks. And I think that's a disturbing trend that I'd like to see people really kind of to think about. Mm -hmm. Tell us, um, you know, I'm just thinking about this. When we start to kind of get back to normal, like, I, I, you know, what, what does normal look like? But when we start to travel again, when we start to, you know, go to big events again and those kind of things, 
how do you think life's going to change because of this? You know, like, are we ever going to go back to what we knew? Or do you think this has impacted us in such a way that, that the new normal is going to be way different? Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the questions that I think we're asking ourselves a lot, mm. you know, in the medical field is, is, you know, what will normal look like a year from now, yeah. three years from now, right? And I think a lot of that depends on the vaccine um, and proven therapies. You know, until we have a vaccine in particular, where we prevent, prevent or limit transmission in, in society, um, we're going to have to see social distancing be a norm. Um, and, and I don't mean, certainly not as severe um, and aggressive as what we've been doing, but, you know, I, you know I, limited groups, particularly protecting those who are at risk, um, I, you know, where it's really going to be challenging is, we, is sporting events. Uh, movie theaters, amusement parks, airplanes, hotels, right? Those are going to be really challenging. And I don't really know what that'll look like for them. But I think that's going to be a major question that society is going to have to figure out. Um, at home, I think we'll see more working from home, less, probably less frequent face-to-face -face meetings or interactions, more, more of this, more Zoom, more teleconferencing um, type stuff. Uh, you know, from the healthcare perspective, uh, I, I think a similar thing. Telemedicine has really been uh, I think helpful for a lot of patients. You know, it's a way for us as physicians to see patients who need to be seen, at least, you know, kind of low acuity things that I can just check in on, right? So you're coming for your routine visit. Maybe I don't need to, you know, see you face to face. I can ask a lot of the questions I need and maybe get you your med medication refills. And we do that face to face meeting less frequently. Wow. Um, I think that's definitely something that we're going to see more of. Um, and then the other thing that we'll see that on the negative side is we will see some localized outbreaks. Um, we may see a nursing home or like we saw yeah. this weekend at the prison in Trousdale where we see localized outbreaks, mm. some that may be severe and require an area community to, to quarantine, maybe even close schools or close businesses. I think we will see some of that. I just don't know how or when, what that'll look like exactly. Yeah. Uh, tell us this, this is since we're on a, a men's, podcast right here, men's leadership. Uh, you said sporting events. So I know you're a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. Do you think we're going to yeah. have college football this year? What do you think? <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say yes. Um, I would, and I know that they'll do everything they can to, to, to at least put the games on. Um, I, I guess that's my real question is, are they going to be able to do it with fans in the, mm. in the stands? Right. I mean, Athletes, I think, in general, are a very healthy group. They're less likely to get ill themselves. But again, the, their transmission ability to others is what would be concerning. And then also having them playing in a stadium of thousands of people. I would like to say that, yes, it'll happen. But I, I'm nervous. I'm real really? nervous about it. Yeah. Mm. What about schools? Yeah. What do you think about elementary, middle, high school, even mm -hmm. colleges? Do you think that's a hard call, I guess, as well, huh? Yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to the point about um, we're going to see localized outbreaks. Um, I think that schools will go back. I think that colleges and school, uh, you know, high schools and elementary schools will go back. I think that it would be wise for us to have plans for distance learning, you know, um, electronic learning. Uh, I think, you know, because I think those may be necessary from time to time. Uh, but I think, I think they'll go back. Tell us, okay, for us as men, right, um, how, do we, how do we approach this with, without a spirit of fear, but with a spirit of, of wisdom, right? I mean, like I think uh, you talked about wearing masks, you know, your social distancing, but how do we as, you know, if you were to take your, 
I mean, you've got to have your physician hat on, but also put on your hat as a Christ follower. How do we live in this world uh, without fear, but with wisdom? Does it make sense? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, because I think you can't, you can't just live, you know, I'm not going to take any precautions and yeah. just trust that, that, you know, the Lord will protect me because, I mean, the Lord gave us masks and he gave us, hand, you know, hand sanitizer and he, and he gave us the ability to, to do things with social distancing. And so, you know, I think understanding that, that, um, you know, doing what's right for, uh, the larger group, right. For, for all of God's people, I think is an important consideration, but yeah, definitely, you know, I mean, I trust in the Lord that he's gonna, that he's going to see me through this. He does have a plan for me, you know, and, and hopefully, and there's some way that I'll be able to glorify God, you know, in my experience with this, whether it's, you know, what I view as a positive experience or something that's more, you know, more of a trial. Yeah. What do you, what do you pray just along those lines, Brad, uh, as, as we come through this season, what do you pray like for us as a society, but also maybe for you individually, what do we pray that we have learned through this season? And what do you think we're going to remember through this COVID uh, 19 kind of spring summer season? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that, um, I hope that we learn and see more reliance on, um, on the Lord, you know, and, and, and yeah. that, you know, like I said, we, in my Bible study, uh, my men's Bible study we've been doing, we've been going through revelation and, you know, the, the real lesson I think there is in the end, God wins, right. You know, it's going to be tough. It's good. There's going to be, yeah. you know, real tribulation, but in the end, you know, God wins, Jesus mm-hmm. wins. And so, so I think that good news, you know, is the first thing. Um, and then I think we all have, you know, there's all something that we can do to help, you know, help our, our fellow mankind, you know, help, help our fellow men and, and women in society. And so I hope those are the lessons that we learn yeah. uh, from this. Um, you know, when I think about what I'm going to remember, um, certainly I think we'll remember the time being at home with our family, with my family. You know, we, we spent, uh, I, I had spent about three consecutive weeks just the way my schedule worked where I was here at home. You know, we did, we did puzzles. We we're a big puzzle family. And so we had probably done four or five puzzles. We've seen a lot of movies. My Amazon prime account has been fully utilized. Um, you know, and I, I'll remember the zoom calls, you know, uh, I've, I've learned certainly, you know, about how to find some good zoom backgrounds. So, yeah. um, I think on the downside, I remember being separated from my parents. They, you know, they moved two to two miles away from us. And for six weeks, I wasn't able to see them or, or visit them and they couldn't see their grandkids. And, and that, that's the trial. That's the really challenging part for me, I think, because just because we've been fortunate and have avoided some of the destruction that the, the, the virus brought. But, but that's the part that, for me, we'll, we'll, I'll remember. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that, because I, I do think it's been hard, but yet dads being home and with their families, and, and I pray for all of us who are dads and husbands, that, man, we wouldn't go back to our busy, crazy lives that we probably had before, uh, but that we would cherish okay, you know, these times at home with my kids and with my wife and with our extended family, this is valuable. And yeah. I, need to, I need to reorder my life to make God the priority and make my family the priority. And yeah. maybe it took a reset of a virus to help kind of show me those things, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. Like, you know, when I was going to work, coming home and didn't have 14 things we had to be at, you know, at <laughs> six o'clock. I mean, that was amazing. It was really, really nice. And so, so I'm definitely going to miss that. <laughs> yeah. Good learning for all of us. Uh, yeah. Hey, last question. I ask everybody, you know, on MLN and I asked you before, but I just want to see uh, if your answer continues 
uh, on the same line, but what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, legacy, good question. You know, I've seen my previous video, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so my, I want my legacy to be, you know, as a, a father and a husband, I want to be a role model to my family, you know, a, a, a godly man who, who taught them, you know, about the Lord, about Jesus, and about how to be a good, you know, person. Um, uh, as a physician, honestly, kind of the same thing. Um, but someone who helps people regardless of their circumstances. Um, I think trauma puts me in a, a unique position to be able to do that, that I, I don't have to worry about any of those things. And, and I see people from who are in a lot of bad circumstances. And so it's, uh, that, that's what I want to be viewed as, as somebody who, who help people in their time of need, regardless of their circumstances. Mm. Brad, I love that. Thank you. And, uh, it's seriously, I know, uh, it's a time and we all as a country and as a world are thinking healthcare providers and I mean you're on the front lines and with trauma especially and then you're sitting with people and with families who are in their most difficult days and I'm thankful that Christ is working through you and I'm thankful for your heart and so um, just tell everybody there at Vanderbilt thank you as well and uh, you're kind of our Dr. Fauci so you know you're our <laughs> resident expert and uh, appreciate your wisdom and pouring into us and the difference you make in so many lives so thanks for thanks for, well, thanks for having me I appreciate yeah. it so, hey, let me pray for us, guys. Father, thank you for your presence today. Thanks for Brad and for all the healthcare workers out there, God, and pray protection over them. I pray, Father, for uh, especially just as Brad mentioned, the older people in our society. And I pray, Father, just that you would protect them in nursing homes or uh, wherever, Father, there's a high concentration of people. And God, bring healing and hope. I pray for New York, especially right now. And I pray for Detroit and Chicago and some of these hot spots that are happening. I pray, Father, over our community. And I pray that we would be men, that we would be godly husbands and fathers, and we would be wise. We would make a difference in our society and our workplace and our families. And so, Lord, we love you, God, and we need you. And if this virus has shown us anything, God, it's how much we do need you. And like Brad said, Father, in the end, you win. And so we want to put our faith and our trust in you and in you alone. And God, we love you and we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, what a great day, man. And God's speaking uh, to every one of us and calling us to be the men he's called us to be. And, and, and I just pray we would learn from this podcast. And I pray that we wouldn't go back to life as it was, but we would go back different, more in Christ and ingrained in the things that are important in our lives. Hey, be tuning in. Uh, on Fridays, every Friday, we send out a man minute. And so just, man, let's keep growing in the Lord and then be looking next month for our next podcast. Thanks a lot for joining in today and God bless.